I'm Molly Wood, author of CNET's Buzz Report. And I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, Welcome. CNET's podcast of indeterminate length. I hope that some of you are joining us for the first time. Come on in. The podcast <laughs> the pie is fine. great. <laughs> no pie jokes. That's that's a, that's a, see that's that's an example of what we get in trouble for, which is inside, inside jokes. jokes. Earlier before the podcast started, we were talking about pie. But now we're talking about Google. But now, what is Google Base? I don't know. I can't get into it. I've tried many times. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't mean that he's not interested. He means the site keeps going <laughs> up and down. <laughs> I'm going to try again right I now. I am just not into Google Base. Base.google.com. Yeah. So this thing came out. Not happening. Base.google.com. There was news about it, and now it's been slashed at it, and it'll never be up again. Is there news? Well, there I mean, were it's, it's discussions. almost like rumors. Yeah. John Battelle had a posting about it, and Anantech had a posting about it, CNET's Alpha Blog had a posting about it, but nobody really right. seems to know exactly what we it is. We all made a bunch of all your base are belong to Google jokes. Right. I think Battelle made that joke first. Yeah, he did. Um, but I made it independently of him. Uh, anyway, yeah, so there's this thing at base.google.com that's up sometimes and not up other times. Maybe it'll be up when you visit. And it appears to be some sort of online storage facility or something you can upload stuff to it <laughs> which is kind of about all the specifics we have and then all the speculation is like that it will be either some sort of online storage mm-hmm. thing where google owns all your <laughs> your data or some sort of or an ebay killer and a craigslist killer and kind of an online database that will act as a, a sales mechanism, a personal sales mechanism. Now, according to Brandon Hill of eWeek, who has a posting on a Nantech, items in the database include a party invite mm-hmm. or a listing of your used car for sale. There's also a tie-in mentioned to Google's comparison shopping site, Frugal, Google Local, right. combination Google Mapping and localized search results. So I can kind of see where this could be an eBay killer type of thing, a classifieds thing that's tied into frugal and tied into local. And I mean, right. I, there's there's definitely a fit there. It would make sense. What about like a community thing? Like a MySpace Friendster-esque type of thing that ties in all your personal stuff, like your frugal list and right. stuff mm. you're selling. and Which is totally the other thing you could do. where you go. Yeah, if you think of base as home base. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Then that does make a lot of sense as well. Now our, and the problem here is that Google does so much stuff that you can never pinpoint a direction <laughs> because you're like, well, it could be a direction based on any one of the 50,000 betas that they have. But there's one thing we're sure this is. Another ploy of Google's to get lots of people talking about their stuff because there's right. nothing there. Because <laughs> there's nothing there. And we don't know when it's going to launch, whatever it is. There was a funny slash dot post actually that said that um, this must be a joke because there was no beta sign next to the oh. thing. Uh, <laughs> so it's obviously not real. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, all we know so far is that the screenshots of it say that it is a database consisting of, quote, your content. Yes, your content. Right. But give it to Google. Your content, give it to Google. We just assume that it would be sales-based. All right. Any information is welcome. Email us, buzz at cnet.com. We want to know. We find out. We'll tell you. you. We'll keep you up to date. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, don't get a passport if you live in the United <laughs> States. Um, I don't know exactly what did they say That's in this article when alarmist. when they would start implanting. Uh, One starting year, in October 2006, October 2006, the Bush administration has announced that all new passports issued will have a tiny radio frequency ID chip that can transmit personal information, including the name, nationality, sex, date of birth, place of birth, and digitized photograph of the passport holder. Yes, this is on uh, news.com. So. 
and everywhere else. They will have some protective coating in the cover of the passport so mm-hmm. that if the passport is closed, hopefully people won't be able to get in and get that information from the RFID chip. Right. Most of the privacy advocates that News.com talked to said that this is decent protection. Mm-hmm. It's not the best, but it's decent. Well, Problem it- is... When you open it, bling, (laughs) broadcasting to the world. The problem is the material only works when the passport cover is closed. Yeah. When the passport (laughs) is open from up to 160 feet away, people who know what they are doing can read all the information out of it. Now, there's also encryption. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bush administration is saying they have some basic access control, secret cryptographic keys in the chips inside. But uh, most of the people News.com talked to said that that encryption not so great. Yeah. So not much of a, just a speed bump. Well, so there's also the question of just in general, in terms of privacy, how valuable is that particular information that's stored? If it really is name, nationality, sex, date of birth, place of birth, and digitized photograph, well, there, it, you know, that's on the internet, most likely. Honestly, the, the most disturbing thing to me would be the passport number. Right. Which, again, anybody can get by stealing your passport. Yes. Or, or somehow observing it. Uh, but it is does make it a lot easier when it's broadcast 160 feet in all directions. Um, yeah, it's but, pretty... People are very freaked out. It's unclear yet how freaked out we have to be because there have only been kind of the one... There's the one very high-profile account of RFID being truly hacked and information being stolen and used to, you know, whatever it was, steal cars and get credit card numbers, and it's very bad. So far, it is only that one case. However... People are freaked. It says that the State Department received 2,335 comments on this plan. And of those comments, 98.5% were, freak out. Yeah, we're negative. We're um, negative. This, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not that worried about it. I'm not. I, I My reaction to privacy things mm-hmm. are always, what do I really need to worry about? Because people's knee-jerk reaction is always to be like, oh, if my public, in- if information is going out, it's bad. Right. Well, and that's been a frustrating thing about watching RFID develop is that everyone's response to RFID is really become a bugaboo. It's really become something that people are afraid of. And sometimes that's been without concern. I think when you're talking about your passport, it's pretty scary. And when you're talking about your passport being broadcast, information about you being broadcast in a very public place where somebody can just be sitting out in the lobby with a laptop well, that may off, have a high-powered reader built in. Let's get off the public side of it and talk about what if the government exactly. now knows exactly where you are because yes. you're carrying your passport. Above and beyond some hacker with then a high-powered RFID reader, you're talking about the very distinct possibility that the government could be tracking your movements as because you travel. Because the government has the encryption keys. Right. And they can know who you are because they're the government and they gave you the passport in the first place. Yes. Well, and just think about this is not even remotely far-fetched. Like Tom and I use magnetic key cards to get into the building. Mm -hmm. Those cards know who we are. So the people in the security people in our building know what floor we're on. They know what floor we've taken the elevator to. They know know if we've entered the building. I've taken the elevator to because I pushed the button. They don't know where you are. That's true. That's that's why you always. But anyway. Whoever pushes the button. And it, this stuff, this is technology that is available at your average company across the nation. And then we're talking about the government being in possession of RFID chips, which obviously transmit information. It's not even remotely far-fetched to think that, yes, come on, despite what they say, if you're on some kind of FBI watch list and it sounds like people end up there all the time because they jaywalked or just they have the same name as someone else, they will be watching what airports you go through. Well, I think that uh, this... A lot of the arguments about this are the same arguments that people use for trading MP3s. 
because it's all about freedom. Like, don't restrict. The technology's there. <laughs> the government just let you let people you. let people use the technology. Don't try to don't try to stop it. Right. RFID is going to happen. We're just going to have to adapt to it. <laughs> I see. That was a, a roundabout argument, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, that's always yes. With any new technology, there are always multiple concerns that have to be weighed, and that's well, why usually things proceed slowly. And when it happens to other people, it's always different than when it's happening to you. Right. And as with most identity theft and government tracking, I'm sure it will happen in rare cases that will or will not become really high profile. All right, we need to lighten this up. I guess. Broadband video channel coming from Comedy Central. Dun, dun, dun. And there goes the workday. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you can now stream a, co- a broadband channel called Motherload. L-O-A-D. That will be launching on November 1st that will uh, include not only snippets of the original Comedy Central shows like The Daily Show and The Colbert Report, which are... Uh, which <laughs> Good are, job with the pronunciation. Well, those are actually limited what they can rebroadcast. It's French. Yeah. I watched it for the first time last night. Yeah, Ver- really. Veronica, our producer, we should introduce. And? how and, It yeah. was funny. Yeah? Yeah. The Colbert Report. Yeah. That's, that's what they call it. But they're limited by cable companies to what they can stream online, which has always been a roadblock for television networks going online with their content. So what they're doing is they're using as much of the actual Comedy Central channel as they can get away with and then doing original content. Yeah, and that's the big change because actually snippets from The Daily Show and The Colbert Report have been online. I mean, half The Daily Show is already online yeah, yeah. But their on any given isn't day. Very good. I know, and that's, of course, the big concern. But the thing that's so interesting about this is that it's going to be a channel – it's going to be broadband optimized, and they are creating content for it. That is not going to be on TV. That is huge. And they're not the first ones to do this. MTV is doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESPN is doing this. Um, but I think Comedy Central, I, it just seems like the kind of thing people may be more likely to watch. I know. I think so. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's a big deal that 85% of Comedy Central's viewers, according to them, are using broadband. Well, there's so much animated material out there that they probably have more than they can even put on the air. So they, ha- can ha- they have a better chance of having really good quality original material yeah. for the web. But not all animated by far. No, no, by no. Not all, not all am- anim- animated. In fact, what? Where'd you even get animated? I, I, I don't know. I was thinking <laughs> of South Park and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Maybe Cartoon Network ought to get in on this, though. Maybe. That would be an easy thing to stream. And they may already be. Well, yeah, probably. We'll check it out. <laughs> all right. You wanted to talk about... We have the internet. You wanted to talk about our beneficent friend, Microsoft. <laughs> Hey, Microsoft Those do-gooders is- <laughs> at Microsoft. <laughs> well, here's what happened. Earlier today, Tom interviewed Cory Doctorow uh, of Boing Boing fame and EFF act- activism and all sorts of things. I was unfortunately not able to attend the interview, not because I don't like Cory or anything, but because it rained in San Francisco, which caused every form of transportation in the entire greater Bay Area to completely go to hell. When we say rained, we mean sprinkled. Yeah, it drizzled. The ground got wet. One of my newspapers didn't even come in a bag, which was a mistake. But still, it's not like real rain. It happens every year. But the first, if you don't live in the Bay Area. <laughs> I'll be honest. You, I got here a minute before the interview. You can't so. even. I, oh, yeah. I left myself like an hour to get here and I was trapped on a BART train. Luckily, with an audiobook and a podcast and things of that nature to entertain me. Anyway, so like pulling it back minutes. to Microsoft. Oh, right. <laughs> Microsoft. You can write so that letter things, to Bart later. <laughs> I quit. Bart. <laughs> I've written that letter like 10 times. Anyway, uh, one of the things Tom talked to Corey about was Google Print very briefly. And he said a very interesting thing, which was he thinks that book publishers and especially small independent book publishers like himself should be sending 
Google flowers that they fruit, should fruit be, baskets actually is what fruit baskets. I see. I wasn't there. That's more nutritional than flowers. that. They should be thanking Google on bended knee for giving them the opportunity to have their books surface as part of search results. So, but Google, unfortunately, as you know, is getting sued. But in despite all of that, Microsoft is jumping into the digitizing book thing. But you know what they're doing? They're digitizing public domain books. Yes. Along with Yahoo and an archive, Internet Archive project. Yeah, yeah they're, they're joining an existing project with Yahoo and, and the Internet Archive, which has been much less controversial because it is public domain books. And I, you know what? I think I might try to join them in this because I have a couple public domain books that I, I got when I used to work at an old used bookstore. Oh, how do you that, know? Huh? How do you know they're public domain? Oh, because they're old. No. Oh. They're, they're Are they like 90 years there. old? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're really They're old. like back before 27 or whatever that cutoff date is. Yes. For, for See, and this is, you know, this is why that book thing is so frustrating because we do want to be able to search all sorts of content, including books. And so it is very frustrating that, I don't know, that we can't work it out, that Google, that publishers are uh, objecting so strongly. I don't know. After hearing that comment from Corey and reading a little bit more about Google Print, I have to say, publishers, go away. Well, it's forcing down innovation. You're still going to make money. There's the argument that you cannot buy a reprint of a Picasso as easily as an Impressionist painter simply because of the copyright laws. Yeah. Yep. And so, and... And the, so we're stuck in the Impressionist era. <laughs> oh, horrible. But so the implication is that you are... That the publishers in what is, of course, the most short-sighted way possible, the same short-sightedness that the music and video industry have... They're reducing access to their own products. Anyway. All right. Should we move on to the, uh, what should we move on to? Your choice. Molly's choice. I um, got, we got a fabulous phone call from Michelle Thatcher, who, let me be clear, is no ordinary caller. Oh, no. This is CNET's own notebooks editor, laptop editor. And this is regarding our heated discussion of yesterday. Vis-a-vis the 20-inch notebook issue. Hey there, Tom and Molly. It's Michelle Thatcher here. Big fan of the podcast. Love it. But uh, Molly, I've got to disagree with you on your views about desktop replacement laptops. I think there are a lot of people for whom the desktop replacement just makes more sense than a desktop uh, computer. For example, my brother-in-law, he's an industrial designer, uses a lot of graphics programs and computer-aided design programs that take a lot of performance. But he's also originally from Europe. And so he spends a lot of time um, back there on extended visits with friends and family, but he can keep up with work because he just packs up his laptop and hits the road. Also, you've got students who are often living in small spaces, and uh, they want their computer to be a a stereo, a TV, a DVD player, and uh, the desktop replacement laptop can do all that and take up less space. Plus, when you go home on vacation or on your winter break, you can fold it up and take it with you. I really don't think for the typical user it's going to make sense to uh, to be setting up and maintaining and troubleshooting three or four desktop computers throughout their home. So I kind of think that uh, I agree with Tom on this one. I'm with you, Tom. A desktop replacement laptop is the way to go. Thanks a lot, and uh, keep up the work. Bye. Michelle, you, you, you're not fooling me. I'm outing you as a CNET editor, for okay. one thing. Okay, and? And enough, enough with the character assassination. I want to clarify to those who emailed and called that I was not saying people shouldn't buy laptops. And I think there are very powerful laptops available in small form factors. 
I think that the cases in which someone truly needs a desktop replacement are rare. I will argue that her brother-in-law is one of the few who does. Definitely. But we got an email from a student. From Josh. You got This is the rebuttal email. From Josh, who says that he picked out a very nice, very portable, pow- perfectly powerful notebook for school. And then now he goes around campus and he sees people with their big old clunky 15-inch laptops. And he's like, that's silly. They're too big. Now... You did say that people should put desktops in every room of their house instead of getting a laptop. Or get small laptops. You didn't say or get small laptops yesterday. You said, what if you want to move it from room to room? And I said, get a small laptop. And then you said, but then you won't have a big screen. Dude, play it back. All right. I'll go back and listen. Oh, But you were saying it was better to put desktops in every room of your house than get a desktop. I was saying if you're going to spend that kind of money, then sure, why not? I'm getting deja vu all over again. All right. Let's move on to the boys from Boston. Okay. Uh, I love these boys. First of all. Hi, Mo. Hi, Yes, DJ. Veronica. I, I like saw... them already. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica, you should explain heard. if you didn't know, is from Boston. You made them sing. Uh, you made Veronica sing. First, they said Tamalica, <laughs> integrating Veronica into the name. I like them even better now. <laughs> uh, no. Number one, this is their feedback of indeterminate length. Number one, interviews rock. They mm-hmm. like separate, which is what we tried today. So I want to hear clear, some feedback. About these that. are the guys who first suggested that we get Lawrence Lessing on the show. So they're into the interviews from the get-go. And but that was a like, great idea. They like having them separate. So let us know what you think, because we had the Cory Doctorow one separate as a separate feed this morning. Yes. Uh, regarding Flock, they said they've tried it. And uh, they wanted to point out, they said I didn't mention that it was a Firefox variant. I thought we did, but I, I apologize so, but I if we didn't. Yeah, uh, it is. But they agreed that. They don't see the benefits over standard Firefox. What would be cool is if browsers had universally accessible preferences so that there was true portability between them. Which that is, awesome. is awesome. That yeah. is a really good idea. You All I'm saying about Flock is that it should spur us to demand more from our browsers, just like the boys from Boston have just done. I can agree with that. Uh, they said on Blu-ray, they've seen backwards compatibility before, so why not in Blu-ray? Yeah. yeah. And then something about the Red Yay, Bosox, Boo cards. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> I guess neither one of us are going to win the World Series. A lot Series. of baseball fans of yeah. uh, Buzz All right. Well, thanks to Mo and VJ, the boys from Boston, Thank but you. living in New York. Oh, and one last quick email from someone with a really long name uh, who has seen Front Row running on a Mac Mini. And I um, oh, saw this oh. posting on, I think, it maybe was on, Gizmodo. Or well, it was on Engadget. Yes. And I actually emailed it to myself, and I was going to try it last night, and then I forgot. Well, yeah. I don't have a Mac Mini. I have a G5 Tower. But, but still, I was still going to try it. Hopefully this should spur Apple to like make that available front row. Come on. I, I don't understand why, why they're not doing it separately. I don't know. They probably haven't figured out how much to charge for it. Or somebody else owns the patent on it and they're going to sue. So <gasps> pissed. All right. A couple, couple of real quick hits before we go on. Don't say bad words. Uh, according to Wired, we have not yet seen porn on the video iPod. But we will keep because, following this. Molly will keep following this. Because story. the industry is scared. Because the iPod is marketed to young people. Uh-huh. And That's they're afraid that the government would come in like a... Probably wise. Thunderclap. And then uh, I saw this on Boing Boing, but it was a CNN article about Japan developing remote control for humans. This is so crazy. They put on a, a headphones looking thing and it causes their balance to change so that they feel they had to move in a specific direction to yeah. maintain their balance. Creepy. So it causes you to go right or left. You can even control yourself. Dude, it's in terrible. the future, in <gasps> the future, this technology is totally going to be um, available in sub-microscopic nanocytes that enter your body through your eye membranes and then Stop little do you know, it! it'll be like a whole virus thing and they make you walk left to right and fall down. It's going to be terrible. Okay, so if that gives you <laughs> enough to comment on there, I hope. <laughs> and I'll be living in a bubble. Uh, do you think Molly should move into the bubble now, later, or never? Buzz at CNET.com or call us at 1-800-616-CNET. Bye. Bye.
<laughs> Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> of indeterminate filling. filling.